Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you go to the doctor, and he prescribes some medicine for you, and he says, take one a day for the next month, and then make an appointment with me and come back and see me again. What do you do? You take your medicine just kind of when you feel like it? You just kind of take one every other day just in case you want you to take it longer, then you don't have to buy more? Maybe you just don't take it all together. You don't think it's all that important. Of course, you go back the next month and the doctor looks at your bottle of pills and he says, well, this is, this is almost half full, if not more. Didn't you take any of them, like I said? Well, I took one from time to time and I wasn't feeling so great. He said, you needed to take these every day. This is for your immune system. If you didn't take these, you're lucky you didn't get sick and die in about three days. He says, when I tell you to do something, do it. You know, if the doctor gives you medicine, you probably should take it. He knows what he's doing. And if the good Lord gives you medicine, and he gives you weapons, then you should probably use them because he knows what he's doing. You know, he gave them to you for a reason. He wants you to take it seriously. You know, if the doctor didn't want to help, really help you and he didn't want, to take, want you to take them seriously, he'd give you a little pill of gummy bears and say, take one a day and see what happens and let me know. But that wouldn't really do you a whole lot of good. If anything, it would harm you. Your Heavenly Father knows so much more about you than any doctor could. Your Heavenly Father knows most of all what you really need in this life. To survive. And he gives it to all of you for daily use. The question is do we use it enough? Do we use it like we should? Why do we need to use it anyway? And what if we don't use it? He gave it to the Israelites in our lesson today. You know, they, were, they were very close. They were just on the other side of the Jordan River. I don't know if you have a picture of Israel kind of in your head. Here's the Sea of Galilee, here's the Jordan River. And then here is the, the Dead Sea. They're about right here, right on the eastern side of the Jordan River. I guess that's your west, western side. They're over here. Right there. The promised land is right in sight, and they're just about to go over. Moses, of course, can't go with them. He had sinned against the Lord, and the Lord said, you can't go, Moses. But Moses is giving them basically a farewell speech. And Deuteronomy is kind of broken up into sections, and it's, it's Moses' farewell speech, and it's also the Lord's renewal of his covenant with his people as they go into the promised land. It's Moses giving them the laws that God had given them at Mount Sinai, but helping them to expand their application so that they would use this law as they went into Canaan. And as Moses gives this to them, and God renews his covenant for his people, he tells them, observe therefore all the commands I'm giving you today so that you may have strength to go in and take over the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Be careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. This is nothing but pastoral concern for Moses, and it's nothing but concern from God for his people. God wants to remind the Israelites that they're his people. He wants them to remain his people, and he wants to be their God so that he can be with them, so that he can help them, and so that he can fulfill all of his promises to them and bring them into the land so that they might prosper. 
And he reminds them of that covenant that makes them so. He says, obey the commands I am giving you. Put me first. Love me first. Make me your true treasure and desire. Love me with all your heart and soul. Moses even summed up everything he commanded that day with that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. And never forget this. And so that this would always be in their minds and always on their hearts and part of their daily rituals and thoughts and activities and meditations, he tells them, fix these words um, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them to your foreheads, and teach them to your children. Talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. God wanted these words always before his people. He, he didn't intend to have them seriously write them on their foreheads and their hands and their houses and, and things like that. In fact, we see God, Jesus himself in Matthew 23 correct the Pharisees who had taken this literally. I don't know if you've ever heard of phylacteries. They're little boxes that they wear on their foreheads and their, their arms and they put little passages in there from here. And they got other ones that they put on their door frames and they put passages in there every day from Deuteronomy. And Jesus, Matthew 23, says, look, don't, don't do what the Pharisees do and don't flash this out there like this for people to see. He says, that's not the point. And that's not the point that God is making here either. He says in our text right away, first thing, he says, fix these words of mine in your heart and in your minds. Take it to heart. Know it, hold on to them, love that word, and don't forget it. Use it to guide you in everyday circumstances, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whether it be getting up, sitting down, walking, talking to your children. He says, take these words of mine and know them and love them and keep them. He says, otherwise, if you don't, you're going to be enticed away to idols in your future home. False gods that are nothing, God says, if you hold to these words, you will be blessed. But if not, you're going to receive the curse. This is not the only place where God here claims full authority and only authority over all other false gods. It's in multiple places in the Scriptures. And the God of the Bible commands... He demands, he expects, and he rightly deserves our allegiance, the allegiance of all people, really. God demands and he expects that his people are going to listen to his word and that they're going to keep it and they're going to treasure it in everything that they do and use it to guide them and to keep them on a right path and to keep them right with God and to keep them in God's blessings. God still wants his people to write his words in their minds and hearts. It should be a staple of their lives. Not because it's meritorious, not because it earns you some sort of points or good works before him, but because to keep them is to love the Lord above all else. And to keep them is to be in God's grace every single day. This is why Jesus points out the same thing Moses wrote just before our text, to love the Lord your God. Jesus pointed that out as the first and greatest commandment in Matthew. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He says this is the first and greatest commandment. Luther's large catechism too. I, I, I don't know how much of the large catechism you've read, but uh, Luther writes that about the first commandment too. He says all the other commandments, they flow from the first. Without the first to love your God above all things, the rest don't happen. The commandment from which all the other ones flow is love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And that's why he writes this in the large catechism. It's not without reason that the Old Testament command was to write the Ten Commandments on every wall and corner and even on garments. Not that we're to have them there only for display as the Jews did, but we're to keep them incessantly before our eyes, constantly in our memory, and to practice them in all our works and ways. But what's the big deal? Why preach so heavy to his people that they need to keep that word so incessantly before them day after day in their hearts and in their minds? Again, God uses a little bit of hyperbole telling them to write it on their foreheads and their hands and their doorways and their houses. But the point is very strong. You know, I'd say, I get it. I understand it's important. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here today. <laughs> I don't know much more you always want from me. I, I read my devotions every day. I'm not sure what more you want from me. I give my offerings on Sunday. I'm not sure what more you want from me. But listening to the word is one thing, but to have it fixed in your heart and, and mind is completely another. Making God's word a guide for your life every single day, no matter what you're doing or where you are, is another thing. Did you hear what Jesus said in the gospel this morning? He said, look, not everyone crying out, Lord, Lord, will get into heaven. Those who hear the word, but don't put it into their heart or put it into practice, are like a person building a house on sand. I don't know how many of you have lived in Florida or have built a house in Florida, but if you've built down there, you know that that's basically one big sandbar. And it's kind of hard to build a house without making sure your foundation is pretty darn good. If you don't have a nice foundation down there, it goes pretty fast. You need a good foundation, and that is the Word of God that Jesus was talking about in the Gospel. And if you examine the nation of Israel in the years after their entry into the Promised Land, it's pretty clear that they didn't always take those words of God to heart and fix them there and fix them on their minds. They didn't keep those commands very well all the time. You know, time and time again, you can see them follow those idols from the enemies that still surrounded them. They, they were supposed to empty the land that God promised them of all of these, these uh, heathens and pagans, and they didn't. And so over time, they eventually, as God warned them what happened, they were enticed away to go worship these idols and these false gods. And they worked their way into almost every place in Israel at some point. This is nothing more than what God saw when Moses was on the earth and God sent the flood when he said that every inclination of the human heart is only evil all the time. It's incredible that God continued to serve Israel in that promised land because they certainly by no means earned any of that. It was only by his grace that they were still there. It was only by grace that his remnant of true believers would still be gathered there and he would still care for them and continue to shed his promises on them over and over again and bless them again and again. 
that remnant of Israel that continued to be blessed, those are the ones who fixed the words of God in their hearts and on their minds, who metaphorically bound them to their hands and their foreheads and their door frames, who walked and talked the word of the living God. Fixing God's word in hearts and minds is not about who can love the Lord the most. If anything, you and I fail to love the Lord like we're supposed to. We're no different than the Israelites. We really are not. The inclination of our hearts are only evil all the time as well. However, while it's not about our merit, it's about living in God's grace. If we're going to receive blessings from the Lord, it's not going to be because of who we are. But it's going to be because of His power. It's going to be because of His promises and His grace and his ability to keep all of those promises out of his love for you. Especially if we're to receive the greatest blessing that he's ever promised to anyone, and that's the forgiveness of sins and eternal life through the Savior. The old covenant that God had with his Old Testament people, the Israelites, was nothing more than pointing ahead to the new covenant to come. It was nothing more than pointing ahead to the Savior that we all needed to die for our sins and to live the life that we couldn't. And so those Israelites who fixed God's covenant on their minds and their heart, those were the ones looking forward to that new covenant to come. The covenant founded on the blood of Jesus Christ. On every corner, brothers and sisters, and at every turn, there are false prophets in this world who want to entice you away to worship something other than the true God. And it's, it's nothing that we're ever going to be able to get rid of. So what do you do about that? Because they're going to talk good. They're going to sound great. They're going to look great. They're going to feel great. But they're going to be false prophets doing nothing but destroying your faith and leading you away from all the blessings that God has under His new covenant in Jesus Christ. They're going to be great in the short run, but in the long run, it's only Satan looking to harm you. And as they hand off to you, all those false teachings, their goal is that you let go of that word of God with the other hand. That you let go of that God who in the Old Testament promises people to bring them into Canaan. And that God who now gives you grace as you soon will enter your promised land. I have the heavenly realms where we will stand forever in glory. God says in his new, or to his New Testament Israel, he says, fix the word of God, the gospel, in your hearts and in your minds because your heavenly Father wants you to know and to hold on to Jesus. He wants you to fix the word in your hearts because he wants your heart to be his so that he can bless you with everything he's promised. God wants nothing but blessings for his people. And he doesn't want them to lose that he doesn't want them to lose the gospel. He wants them to hold on to that and to never let go. But we can't do that if we don't continually come to the Word and receive the power of God and the Holy Spirit through the gospel. If we don't continually come to receive His grace and, which empowers us to live as His children. You know, when you go to the entrance of that heavenly land, it's not going to be, well, Father, I did this, but it's going to be, Father... I know my Savior's death and resurrection and I know I have a place waiting for me in there. And he's going to say welcome and enjoy. 
So, fix the word of God to your minds and hearts. Put them into practice all the time, whether you're, whether you're lying down or getting up or whether you're walking along the road. Put it at practice in the home with your children. Put it at practice when you're out in public with your friends, maybe even those you don't know. I mean, even your good deeds are seen by those in the world that they might come to know your Father in heaven. Make use of the means of grace. Remember your baptism every single day so that when Satan tries to bring you into false teachings, you can drown that all out by saying, I've been marked as a child of God. And with Jesus you can say, get behind me, Satan. Make use of the Lord's Supper. That the physical embodiment of the power of the gospel for you shed on the cross when Jesus died for your sins. As you take that, you receive a sword to squash your enemies for another day. You guys know how many words are in the English language? Now this is from, I think it was 2018 this said, but there are supposedly more than a million total words in the English language, but about 170,000 are in current use, and only 20 to 30,000 words are used by each individual person. 20 to 30,000 out of over a million words is between 2 and 3%. So realistically, we use very little of the English language. And imagine how much that's changing every single day. I mean, you have words now added to the dictionary that have come about because of texting and Facebook messages. So if anything, we probably use even less words. However, you have a word that doesn't change. And you have a word that is much more powerful than any language this world could ever possibly fathom. Satan and his tactics never changed and they never stopped to try to yank you away from Christ and into the comforting arms of his lies in this world. But God's word combats all of that. Fix it to your hearts and your minds. Love it and thank God for such a precious treasure that we have that he's given to his church in this world that despises all of it. Thank God as you have the privilege of speaking to you, as you have the privilege of hearing God speak to you himself through the scriptures. As we know from that letter from Peter this morning, love it so that you can remain faithful by his grace and power until you enter that land promised to you by your heavenly Father, your heavenly home. Amen.